what is going on what is going on what is going on ladies and gentlemen you are listening to the bounce podcast episode 76 my name is jabari anderson with my co-host l'oreal l'oreal how you doing i'm doing good jabari fantastic excited for game three of the finals we have a series baby this is evil I guess we have a series. I mean, you know, some people say we have a series. Some people say that we, uh, you know, we'll see how how it goes later on. It, it is, you know, it was the best of seven. Now it is the best of five. So let's go ahead and get the show on the road. All right. So the NBA Finals between the Warriors and the Boston Celtics. Game one, the Celtics took it. They took game one after being down 12 points in the fourth quarter. They won by 12 points against the Warriors. And then game two. Everything completely changed, completely changed in this game. Well, game two, to be exact. The Warriors won by 19 points. Now, game three and game four are going to be in Boston. Boston still has home court advantage. They took home court advantage away from the Warriors, and the series is tied 1-1. It is now the best of five. So, L'Oreal, which team should feel more confident, Warriors or the Celtics? I'm going to go with Boston, and here's why. Um... It's not at all about the home court advantage. Obviously, we know that in these playoffs in general, home teams are going to most likely win all their games the first time around, the second time around, and then you see a little bit of back and forth between the road games. But besides the fact that the Boston has home court advantage, I still think Boston has a shot. Now, obviously, game two was different because the Warriors were able to cook more. Steph Curry lighted up. You saw Jordan Poole make great contributions. Draymond Green defensively, which we'll talk more about him later, made great contributions as well. And I think that's what that was really the key for that Warriors win when you saw that. But I think for Boston, they should still feel good because even if the Warriors did win, forget this though. Steph, he's still kind of struggling for shooting. I believe he was maybe nine or something that day. Nine for 21. Then, you know, game one. 9 to 21. Thank you. He was 9 to 21, game two, game one. Believe the same thing. Um, and we know that Steph, we're not expecting Steph to shoot 100%, of course, not even 50% at times, because you can't really do that every single game, especially in this tough finals. But it's interesting to me that the Warriors were able to get that win. And even though Steph did contribute, he still shot pretty poorly. Um, and the whole team as well. Um, Clay Thompson, I don't know what's going on. I mean, I think those injuries are really, really affecting him because not to say that we expected Klay Thompson to be a mega star, but it is very clear that Klay Thompson doesn't remotely look anything like what Klay Thompson used to be, the Klay Thompson that we're used to seeing. I don't see that in this Klay. And I see Klay contributing. I see Klay just, you know, being excited because I'm sure for him, he probably was worried about ever even getting back to the finals with those injuries. So the fact that he's back and he can play, I know he's excited about that, but the shooting has been poor, you know, in this final series. And to be quite honest, throughout this playoffs, I think the Warriors should be concerned because even if Jordan Poole can be there for you, he has been inconsistent. And you have seen at times where he gets the spotlight, he lights it up. But then when he doesn't get the spotlight or when he does bad, he does underwhelming to some degree. Sometimes affect the Warriors, sometimes it doesn't. So for the Warriors part, they need to really think about trying to get other guys involved because what Boston, and to their advantage, is what Boston, they can look at it as like, oh, Curry is showing up and things like that. But eventually, Curry can get tired. And guess who can make Curry tired? Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. 
Boston was still contributing, still solid defense. The thing was, was that Golden State just did better overall when you think about shooting. Because remember, at first, Boston did good in game two. But what was the thing about them losing that game was that Golden State answered them defensively and was able to answer them offensively. And Boston just didn't really have no answers for that. But when you look at, like I said, the personnel of this Boston Celtics team, they can still get the job done. And we're not going to see Jason Tatum shoot poorly, you know, every single game. Time to time we will. And I just want to bring that up because I know a lot of people are looking at Jason Tatum in this series because, yes, this is his moment. I said this, Jabari. This is Jason Tatum's moment. He has to seize the moment. He seizes the moment sometimes, and sometimes he falls short. I don't expect to see him to do that game three. I don't expect Jalen Brown to do that game three. And I think Jalen Brown, maybe a little bit more Marcus Smart, is an X factor for Boston because, remember, when Boston had those periods – of when they have leads and sometimes they don't take care of them or they're trying to get the lead and, you know, get over the team, Jalen Brown is usually the main factor in that. When Jalen Brown has those sprints where he can score 10 points or more in a couple minutes, that helps Boston tremendously. I think we'll see more of that in this series. So a Boston, I think they should feel more confident because even if Golden State one game, two. Even if Golden State, as we know, you have to watch for Steph. You have to watch for Draymond. You do have to watch for Jordan Poole because he could get hot in any given moment. I think Boston is still better overall as a team. And as long as they keep, you know, whatever they do well defensively and offensively, I think they shouldn't have no issues towards the rest of the series. Okay. All right. You know what? If we're going to be honest here, we got to be very, very clear what the hell just happened. I believe that the only reason why the Golden State Warriors even won game two was because of the referees. Well, I was say, uh, I'm not going to say that the referees were the main reason why, but I, but I believe that they had a huge part on why the Celtics lost game two. If it wasn't for all those phantom fouls that happened in the first quarter and that the fact that Draymond Green could do, do whatever the hell he wanted to do in the first half, maybe the Celtics doesn't play as poorly in the second half and maybe it becomes a closer game because I'm just going to say this right now. Draymond Green was flopping just so Jason Taylor could get a foul called on him. Uh, Draymond Green went through Grant Williams just so they could call a foul on him. It's like, wait, hold on, wait, hold on. What was Grant Williams expected to do when Draymond Green was going towards him? Like, I don't understand why, why there was, why was there a foul call on Grant? That didn't make any sense. And then Draymond Green is a tech. Anyway, so then later on, Jalen Brown, who was hot in the first quarter, they may have 13 points in the first quarter. And then all of a sudden he gets in foul trouble because the referees call a stupid foul call on him. Talk about, oh, he fouled, uh, what was his name? What's that man's name? Gary Payne II. That man didn't foul Gary Payne II when he was going for a layup. It was a, I'm like, where, where was the foul? <laughs> where was the foul called on him? You, if you clearly look at the replays, he doesn't, he, he doesn't even put a hand, not even a body, no, no physical contact on Gary Payne when he's going for layup. He clearly missed the shot on himself. And because he in foul trouble, he has to sit on the bench. And because of that, Jalen Brown was terrible throughout the entire game. After the first quarter, that man was, he only made one shot. Like that's how terrible Jalen Brown was because the referees was messing up the game for him. And then in the second quarter, when they don't even let, listen, Draymond Green, look, y'all clearly saw what Draymond Green was doing. And, and we'll talk about Draymond Green a little bit later, but the whole thing of putting your foot 
your legs over on top of somebody after you follow somebody. Like, come on, that's that's totally unnecessary. But clearly, whatever happened in the first half, the subjects knew, oh, they're not going to make any calls towards us. So they're going to help out the go to state warriors. And what Al Horford did, Al Horford was terrible. Marcus Smart, I don't know what the heck happened to him. And what's about Robert? When Robert Williams, I mean, you're not expecting him to score the ball, but two points is unacceptable. And maybe maybe the reason why Horford was playing terrible because he knew for a fact that they were going to foul him at all costs. So what the heck was he supposed to do? And he only took four shots. So, I mean, look, there's so many things that I could say about the reason why they lost game two. But if you are the Boston Celtics, you should clearly feel more confident than the Golden State Warriors because your goal was to win one of these first two games. That's it. You want to, you, you, listen, you won a road game. You were down by 12 points in the fourth quarter and you won by 12 points in game one. And last time I checked, if you win at least one of these first two games on the road, that means that you, you were gaining home court advantage. So, and look, and we can talk about who, who has the pressure as far as keeping home court advantage or not. It is what it is. The goal was to win one of these first two games and they did that. They got the job done. Now they go game three in Boston and game four, you know, we'll, we'll talk about game four a little bit, but game three and four are in Boston. And now they have a chance to be in the driver's seat. They can win game three and four. And then they win these next two games. They're up three, one. So I don't think the Boston Celtics just feel uh, discouraged. I don't think they should, they should be worried. I think the only thing they should look at is that, you know what? We're going back to the crib. We're going to be fine. Jason Tanner and Jalen Brown didn't play great in these first two games, but you would say they're going to get better. Horford, Smart, and Williams combined had six points. Do you think that they're going to be in that situation again? No. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, Horford was spectacular in game one, and then game two, he, he was nowhere to be found. There was an MIA for him, for Robert, Robert Williams, and I mean, listen, there, I would say there was an MIA for Marcus Smart, but when you got Draymond Green, that's that's playing uh uh the wheels of the bus go round and wound and swing my loo and whatnot. I mean, what the heck do you expect Smart, Marcus Smart to do? But anyway, I expect the role players for Boston to play better at home than they did in these these last two games. Uh, Derek White, look, he didn't shoot the ball well in game two, but I expect him to still be aggressive and get you know and take as many shots that he can to be effective on the court. I think that for Boston, look, the score was in game one, 120 to 108. And then game two, 107 to 88. I don't see Boston in that situation where they're scoring only 88 points and their opponent scoring over 100 points. I don't see that ever again. And let's also be very clear. A lot of people want to say that, well, Boston's not that great at home. They're five and four. Okay, cool. Eight and three on the road. They're six and oh following a loss. Every time they lose a game, they're 6-0. So, so they lost game two, right? So I expect them to win game three. I am not concerned not one, not one bit. Boston in the postseason have, has not lost back-to-back games yet. And that's the same thing for the Golden State Warriors. So what do I expect to see? I expect whether it's a close game or a blowout, because, I, I mean, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you might get a close game. You might get a blowout. You don't know what's going to happen. But I expect Boston to win game three. So I think that everything will be all fine. But let's also bring up this. Steph Curry has played well in this in this final. Steph Curry right now, he's averaging 31 points per game. Um, he is the front runner for finals MVP. If, you know, obviously if the series won it or if the Warriors won, won the finals, he will be finals MVP for sure. And I expect Steph Curry to play well 
throughout the rest of these finals, right? I, so I'm not worried about Steph Curry. Uh, Draymond Green is going to be Draymond Green. I'm not worried about him offensively. Clay Thompson's inconsistent. Everybody's always talking about, oh, well, Clay Thompson, you know, I'm worried about Clay Thompson. When have you ever watched Clay Thompson in the finals and say, man, that man was great? He's always been good, okay, or average. Like, I don't, I don't look at Clay Thompson and say, I expect him to be great in the finals. I don't, I don't expect that for him. I expect him just to be good or average. So I'm not really worried about him, especially for a guy who came off what? An Achilles, Achilles injury and a torn ACL like two, three years ago. I don't think we should expect a lot from Clay Thompson. So I think we need to back off from him. He only, he's, look, he's averaging 13 points per game, shooting 30% from in the series. I don't expect him to give me what? 20 points per game. I'm just, I'm sorry. I just don't expect Jordan Poole. I expect that brother to be inconsistent. I mean, but besides game two, yes, he has 17 points. That's probably the best game he's had since what? Since what? The second round or so. I mean, I'm not expecting him to be a factor in these NBA finals. And then Andrew Wiggins gave you 15 points. He was okay. But this is what I expect to see. Steph Curry still playing well. Tannum and Brown getting better. The role players for Boston doing their thing. And I expect the Warriors to a certain degree as far as their role players do well. But as far as do I expect someone to be great, I don't expect Klay Thompson or, or Jordan Poole to give me consistency. I don't expect them to be consistent, but I do expect Smart and Horford to be consistent. I will say that right now. Because the, the X factor to me for Boston is going to be Marcus Smart. And then you could say the X factor for Golden State is going to be Draymond Green because <laughs> Draymond Green is a, oh man, he's, he's, a, he's a half full right now. But it will, between Boston and Golden State, I would say Boston should feel more confident in the finals than Golden State. And we're going to see, because to me, I, I feel that um, that Boston is the better team. So I did saw a clip of Draymond Green's podcast where, you know, he has his Draymond Green show. And it seems like he always has an episode of his show after the game and whatnot. I, I don't know why, but it is what it is. But I saw a clip of, of his podcast and this is what he had to say about about the about the controversy surrounding his technical fouls that were in the playoffs and what could have been in the NBA Finals and whatnot. This is what he says. Nobody is paying to watch guys get thrown out of the game. I understand and agree. If there is something egregious, then I'm going to get thrown out. Nobody is sparing me, nor do I expect to get spared, nor do I want to be spared. And he also said that, you know, that referees are more lenient in the NBA Finals, which like I said, I'm not surprised that he would say that. Here's what I want to say about Draymond Green. And I'm just, man, look, take the personal out of it. Like, just speak objectively. Draymond Green is the same person that cost the Warriors an NBA championship in 2016. Draymond Green got suspended in game five in 2016 because of his actions. He's lucky he didn't get suspended again when he was going against the Oklahoma City Thunder, when it was KD, Russ, and all them bad boys, when he basically lift up his leg, and he kicked Steven Adams' balls. Now, let me be very clear. The fact that this man did not get suspended is, is, is egregious to me. Okay, and they decided, oh, he gets a flagrant foul too. What? He didn't get suspended for that? But, of course, because the Cavaliers were down 3-1, for some reason, yeah, and Draymond Green punched LeBron James around the growing area, yeah, he gets suspended for that. Yeah, what was the prize on that? <laughs> anyway. Draymond Green needs to cool down. And we can talk about should he been ejected in game two or not. All I know is that I don't care about the trash talking. That's cool. I don't care about that. 
and being physical. I'm all for that. I, in pickup games and games, people are going to do whatever it takes to get in your head. So I'm not, I'm, I don't care about that. But when you're trying to hold people, play a linebacker doing moving screens and putting your leg on top of somebody when you're on the floor, that is just stuff unnecessary. And I'm just going to say this right now. Draymond Green needs to chill out. And if he doesn't chill out, he's eventually going to cost his team a championship once again. Just watch. So I, I'll say this right now. I guarantee you that in game three, game three, four, or five, he's going to get suspended in one of these games. He's, he, he's either going to get suspended or ejected in one of these games. Just watch. I definitely agree that Draymond needs to tone it down. Um, and that's my thing with Draymond. I get, you know, the dog that he is from Saginaw. We know him. I get the dog that he brings to the games, to the players, to the organization. I understand that. But my thing is with Draymond is that I don't think he really understands what he's doing. And I think a lot of times he think of it as like, oh, I'm just being me. This is just me. When it's like, no, this is not being you, Draymond. You're clearly trying to bring attention to yourself, number one. And, you know, he can sit up and say that he's not trying to do that. He's thinking about the team. No, you are bringing attention to yourself. You're bringing attention to yourself when you do stuff like this, especially when you talk about stuff like this. You're bringing attention to yourself. So he's doing that. And on top of that, he's hurting the team and he's hurting himself. You know, you you can be that tough guy. Like, think of Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart is a tough guy. No, he ain't going to punch people or kick people or things like that. But Marcus Smart, just like Draymond, <laughs> none yeah. of that. But Marcus Smart, just like Draymond, he has the capability to be to that point. But he doesn't do that. Marcus Smart, you know, he plays smart. And I'm not saying Draymond Green doesn't know how to play smart or he doesn't. But I think he just needs to think sometimes. Like, just think. Just think. Why are you – on a basketball court, acting like a linebacker. Come on, bro. And on top of that, like when it comes to the Jalen Brown thing, I don't think he should have got suspended that because while or putting his legs, yeah, but while putting his legs on Jalen Brown was looked at as unnecessary, I kind of still looked at it as a basketball play. Obviously, Jalen Brown was shooting the three, Draymond Green was guarding him, and they both fell. Now, of course, when he put his legs on Jalen, I'm like, all right, man. You know, that's cool and all, because you can see Jalen, he reacted. And, you know, even though I Draymond, he was yelling, but it seemed like he was trying to tell him, like, you know, I wasn't trying to do that. Jalen Brown has every right to react the way that he reacted, because we did see Draymond's legs on top of Jalen. But back to Draymond, like, he needs to chill. Um, I think that Draymond, a lot of times, he acts like he's not invincible, but I think a lot of times he feel like that he is. Yes. And when he talks about these situations – it comes across in that language. I remember um, the literally after the game, when he did the post-game interview, he said, end quote, I've earned differential treatment. So you're basically saying that, yeah, I know that this is going on and stuff, but I'm Draymond. I can break the cheat code. I can get through the cracks in the corner. You know what I'm saying? Like the refs stay, you know, they might, they might do something to me, but I know that I'm straight. Do you really <laughs> know that, Draymond? Like, do you really know that? Like, like you said, he has cost the Warriors the 2016 championship. Yes, he did. He is responsible I don't think Draymond, for that. Yes, he is. And I don't think Draymond wants to do that again. And he does, like, it's like I said, he needs to just chill out. Because what you do, you may not think that right now it might affect you, but it can affect you in the long run. 
It can affect you this year. It can affect you multiple years. Like Draymond Green, he doesn't really realize it, but he is unconsciously creating a track record for himself. And it can only be so much time and so much going forward to where it can get really, really worse, where you're constantly getting suspended. Or who knows, the refs might just throw you out just because they want to, just because of how you've been acting and also how you portray yourself. So for Draymond, he just needs to take a minute and just look at how he's portraying himself and what he's actually doing. Because what he's actually doing, it might be okay for now. We might forget about it. Maybe game three, you might not act up. Or maybe game three, you just be the Draymond that we know you can be without all the antics and the extraness. But in the long run, Draymond's going to, unfortunately, might have to realize that a lot of what he's doing is going to come with really big consequences. And it could really hurt the Warriors. Uh, as uh, as Steve Kerr once says, broke the code, right? Well, <laughs> that brother might bro. He gonna break that code, you know. Eventually, I'll say that right now. And also, let me just say the whole the whole thing about being in, invincible, right? You know, it's easy to be invincible when you have the greatest ba- shooting backcourt of all time. It's very very yep. easy, very very easy. Draymond Green is fortunate to be with the Golden State Warriors now. That's not saying that he was not a factor in the Warriors winning three championships because he is a factor. But let's not act as if that Draymond Green is a superstar. He's not. He is a fortunate player that was a factor in a system that benefit other players where he can play his role. Okay. And himself. Yeah, exactly. And, And himself as well. Draymond Green is not better than Anthony Davis. He's not better than Giannis. He's not. He. I mean, who else can I think? I can think of a lot of power forwards right now. That, that's top of my head. But you know, better yet, I would not say that he's even better than Julius Randle. As a matter of fact, let me, I'll even go this further. If I have to take between Al Horford or Draymond Green, I'm taking Al Horford. Al Horford is a better basketball player than Draymond Green. Draymond Green get to, can defend. He could pass. But now, wait, hold on. the pass is very subjective because when you have the best shooting backcourt of all time, of course, your assist is going to be good. So I, 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 I'm not going to give that to Draymond Green on that part. Rebounding, defense cool you got that but his offense if i have to give him a grade a letter grade i would give that man like a d minus he ain't ain't all that (laughs) offensively so let's just keep it 100 draymond green is a is a tough guy he's a he's a solid defender he does what he has to do he is the leader defensively so we understand what the impact that he made on this team i'm not denying that outside of trash talking and being physical all the other antics you're doing bro just cut that off. Just really because listen, sometimes you need to be humble, bro. You need to be humble. And if they suspended him or they eject him, I will be okay because sometimes that he goes too far. And when you cross the line, sorry, you have to face consequences. And and um and one thing I do want to bring up, I do want to bring up, I didn't bring this up in the first topic. Shout give credit to the Warriors for you know for helping out those turnovers, you know, towards the Celtics because they because the Celtics were very terrible as far as game two when it comes to turnovers. And I'm going to say this once again for the Boston Celtics. When they have 15 or less turnovers, they are 13-2 and two in the playoffs. When they have 16 or more turnovers, they are 0-5. Guess what the oh. Celtics have to do? Take care of the ball. If they take care of the ball, they'll be just fine. But that's all I want to say from this first time. But back to Draymond Green. Dr- Draymond Green, look. You from Saginaw, Michigan? We got nothing wrong from people who do what they got to do from Michigan, all right? Shout out to you. You're a Michigan-made brother. Shout out. But Draymond, you're going to need to chill out 
or you're going to get suspended or ejected in one of these games. So chill out. Don't cost your team a championship like you did six years ago. Moving on to our next topic. So Quinn Snyder, who was the head coach of the Utah Jazz, he's going to step down after eight seasons. Now, a lot of people kind of thought that this was a surprise or this was this was expected. I mean, they had a disappointing year this season. I mean, the way how, I mean, you get you, you get bounced at the first round. I mean, what do you expect to happen? I mean, so pretty much it was going to happen anyway. Quinn Snyder, you're out. Quinn, that doesn't mean that Quinn Snyder can be a head coach next year because the Jazz do have a right to block where he can go to any team and be a head coach. So, and, and that's and that's due to the fact that because Quinn Snyder still has what one or two years remaining on his contract. So technically he can't go to any other team to be a head coach. So it is what it is. But Donovan Mitchell, who is their best player, who is the Jazz's best player, he's one of the first people that spoke about, you know, about the departure of Quinn Snyder. And he did say that he was surprised, unsettled, and disappointed that um, Quinn Snyder has left. Obviously, we know who Quinn Snyder is. And Quinn Snyder, he's a good coach. I want to say he's a great coach, but he is a good coach. And there's a lot of reactions as far as what's that going to be for Donovan Mitchell, blah, blah, blah. But I want to ask this question to you, L'Oreal. What was your reaction when Quinn Snyder stepped down? And do you expect Donovan Mitchell to want out of Utah? I'm not surprised at all that Quinn um, stepped down. I, I felt this coming. Um, I just didn't know when, but I knew eventually because of the fact that within the past couple of seasons, we've literally been seeing the demise of the Utah Jazz before our eyes. I knew that, especially when it came to Quinn Snyder, there was already a lot of talks about whether he was good for Donovan Mitchell, he was good for the team. And I just knew that they were going to fire him and he was going to leave because for Utah, this little like trap, I guess, that they've been in for the past five, six, seven plus years, clearly you need to figure out how to stop it. And unfortunately, Quinn Snyder was one of those factors. Um, Utah, oh Lord, um, you know, we say all the time, Houston, we have a problem. Utah, they definitely have a problem because what is going on in this organization? I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, We have to give credit to Snyder. Let's not completely knock him. Like you said, Jabari, I think Snyder was a good coach because remember, Utah had this little phase where they was all right, but then they wasn't. And then they were just trying so, so hard to try to get out of the hump and try to compete for the playoffs, you know, with Gordon Hayward and when they had Rudy Gobert first and a lot of other players. And then once you drafted Mitchell, you pick up guys like Jordan Clarkson, Mike Kindly, we start to see good things from this team. This team, they've been to the playoffs multiple consecutive years. They actually was able to get a number one seed in the Western Conference. That's very impressive. So let's just give a moment to give Snyder credit for that. But other than that, it's just a lot going on with Utah. And with Utah, they have to have a clean slate because for Utah, it will be ridiculous for them to try to keep this going on and try to keep making something out of nothing. And essentially that's what it was. So Quinn, he had to go. With Donovan, I think he should want out. And I think because of this situation, honestly, not even just the situation, I think probably within the past couple of years, he's been thinking about one and out. And the main reason for me is that I'm not I'm not praising for Donovan Mitchell to leave out of a smart market to go to a bigger market because nine times out of ten it could happen like he could go to the Knicks he could go to one of these teams but there's a lot of things to consider about like the money wise does he even fit 
in a lot of these certain teams because while Donovan Mitchell is a star, he plays a certain way. So teams have to consider that if they want to pick up Donovan Mitchell. But the main reason why Donovan Mitchell should run out is because Utah, I don't know if it's going to serve him. I don't know if it's going to serve him positively. Because when you see the demise, like I said, Utah Jazz, it just didn't really make sense. Like when you look at the past five or six years, they win 40-plus games, 50-plus games. They got fifth place, fifth place, fifth place, sixth place one year. Then that um, 20, um, the 2020-21 season, they got first place. But then when you look at the playoffs, it doesn't add up. You lose to the first round. You lose to the second round. You got swept, actually, in the second round by Golden State that 2016-17 year. So it was like for Utah and for Donovan Mitchell, do you want to keep hopping or do you want to keep riding on this merry-go-round that you're constantly going around and around and around and around? I don't think Donovan Mitchell wants to do that. And when you look at this Utah Jazz team, they look talented from the surface, but in reality, can Utah even compete with a lot of these teams? I don't think so. I don't think they can compete with a lot of teams in the East. I don't think they can compete with a lot of teams in the Western Conference. When you look at this roster, besides Mitchell and Rudy, there's a lot of questions, a lot of questions about offense, defense, consistency. That's what the Jazz was hit with a lot this year, was inconsistency, not being a team, not trusting Quinn Snyder, because you can tell that Quinn Snyder was losing the locker room. He was losing the players because for this Utah team to be this talented but to still do so poor like this, especially in the playoffs, it doesn't add up. So you have to think to yourself, maybe this team needs a new identity. But when it comes to Donovan Mitchell, I think he should run out because I don't want to see his potential get wasted in Utah because they're trying to experiment or they're trying to figure out whether or not they should keep Mitchell or Rudy. To be real, I think they should get rid of Rudy Gobert because I think that if you're Utah, you know that Donovan is talented, but he is undersized. He He's not like a defensive like shooting guard, you know what I'm saying? Like a defensive savvy shooting guard. So if you want to help on the defensive end, I think that you should train Rudy to a team where you can easily get a center that you can replace. And then maybe in the free agency, maybe get a couple defensive wings because we know that Jordan can shoot. We know that um, Badanovich can shoot. And especially since you lost Joe Ingles, which I think is a blow for the Jazz, try to get some defensive wings, guys that can shoot and play defense. Then I think that maybe the Jazz can be fine. And maybe if they want to keep Mitchell, that way they can actually do better. But other than that, the Jazz have a lot of cleaning up to do. And I think the first step was to get rid of Snyder, try to find the best personnel for Mitchell and for the team. But to be real, I think Mitchell's going to be thinking a lot this summer about whether or not he wanted to continue on with this franchise because the way things are going, it's just sad to see his potential get wasted like that for how talented of a player he is. Now, honestly, when I first heard that Quinn Steiner was going to step down, I wasn't surprised because they needed, they needed a new voice. I mean, when you're getting bounced up the first round or second round multiple times, it was now time for that team to get a new voice because Quinn Snyder was just not it. But I would say this to give him credit. He did make that team good. And when you're in Utah, if you can make that team decent, that's good enough. But I will say this. Before he came to Utah, this team only won 25 games in 2013. Like in, in the 2013-14 season, they were a 20-win basketball team. They were a lottery team. But when he came, they won 38 games. Next, it was 40, 51, 48, 50, 44, 52. Last season, they were the number one seed. 
Then this season, they won 49 games. So when you think about it, if you have Quinn Snyder as your head coach, you could at least win more than 45 games. And that's decent. That's great. But if you look at why he was let go, there was nothing new. The problem with Quinn Snyder is that he wasn't making adjustments. And there are times that, listen, when you blow a 3-1 lead two years ago, and then you blow a 2-0 lead in the second round without, without a team's best player on the floor, and then you lose in the first round without Luka Doncic in the first three games, that's not good. That's definitely not good. And I just think that it was just time. Whatever you guys believe how Utah is, this is a, this, listen, I thought that this team could have possibly reached the finals this year, but this season they got worse each month. Ever since December or January, it seemed like they became a different team. They were the number one or two seed. Then they went from being a third seed, fourth seed, fifth seed. Utah was an absolute disappointment. And if they couldn't at least get to the conference finals, then of course they needed, they needed a new coach. Now, Outside of Quinn Snyder, because I don't think that this is going to be the last time hearing him, I won't be surprised if he gets like a new head coaching job in the next two to three years. I'm, I'm going to be real about that. Not, not this not this upcoming season, but at least in two to three years. Now, as far as Donovan Mitchell goes, I don't believe that he should want out. And here's the reason why. He is one of the reasons why they are in this situation. Two years ago, they were up 3-1 against the Nuggets. That's on him that they blew that 3-1 lead. Last year, they were up 2-0 against the Clippers in the second round when the Clippers didn't have Kawhi Leonard in game five or game six. That's on Donovan Mitchell. And then this season, Luka didn't play game one, two, and three. He missed the first three games in the first round, and Donovan Mitchell was a no-show in the first round. So why the heck should he find a way to get out when he is one of the reasons why the Utah Jazz are where they're at right now? Let's, let's just keep it real. Donovan Mitchell this season averaged 25 points, five assists, four rebounds, shot 44% for the field, 35% for the three-point line. That's, that's, that's okay. That's cool. In the playoffs, this guy, once again, averaged 25 points, five assists, four rebounds, but he shot 39% from the field, 20% from the three-point line. You think that's good? No. Donovan Mitchell needs to be held accountable. He needs to be held responsible for his actions on why the Utah Jazz are home right now. And people want to bring up the issues between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Donovan Mitchell is averaging two passes to Rudy Gobert. Two passes. He's averaging five assists, but averaging two passes. How are you you averaging five assists per game, but averaging two passes to your center, to your starting center? Maybe if you were averaging five, six, seven passes per game, you probably would have had six, seven, maybe eight assists per game. And so you want to say that's on Rudy Gobert? No, because Rudy Gobert, listen, at least he's giving you 12 points and 13 rebounds in the playoffs. I mean, that's, listen, that's not 14 and 15, but that's at least giving you something. At least Rudy Gobert is giving what he can give you. And also, hey, look, and people want to dog on Rudy Gobert saying he's the issue. Well, when you got your best player who can't play defense, and someone's going to the basket, what do you think Rudy Gobert has to do? Protect the basket. That's not on him. That's on Donovan Mitchell. Because Donovan Mitchell can't play defense, that is a problem. I understand that Donovan Mitchell is Dwayne Wade 2.0. Dwayne Wade is six foot four. Donovan Mitchell is six foot one, and he plays the student guard position. So I don't want to hear about how Rudy Gobert is the problem, especially his thing too. If I'm Utah, 
I'm not letting go Donovan Mitchell. I, I would trade Rudy Gobert, which there are reports that say that Chicago wants a guy like Rudy Gobert. And I'm just, but like I said, I'm just saying, I'm not letting go of Donovan Mitchell not one bit. And so if Donovan Mitchell wants to showcase that it's not, it's not me, it's the other guys, he needs to show up in the playoffs. Because right now, he's not performing well. Besides averaging more points, I need him to perform in a level where he's taking them to the promised land. And I'm not going to look at the other players. I'm sorry. They are doing what they can do. But Donovan Mitchell has to deliver when it's go time. I'm not blaming Rudy Gobert because he's giving me what I expect him to do. He's going to average one or two blocks a game. He's going to give me a double-double in the playoffs. That's what I expect to happen. But Donovan Mitchell shooting 39% from the field? I'm sorry. There's no excuse. And there's no excuse for them to lose against the Dallas Mavericks when Donovan Mitchell, not Donovan Mitchell, Luka Doncic didn't play the first three games. There's no excuse. I'm sorry. So I don't want to hear about the fact that he might want out. No, these next three years, you're going to stay wherever you're at. And that's not saying that he can't pull Ben Simmons. I hope he doesn't pull Ben Simmons. But I think that he's going to do the same thing that Damian Litter is going to do. He's probably going to stay there for another year or two. And then he might say, you know, I want out. Where he's going to go? New York or Miami? If he goes to New York, I'm sorry. If he's your best player, you're not winning a championship. That's not happening. I'm sorry. It's just like with Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony wanted to go to New York so badly. He wanted to be a Nick. And where did that get the Knicks? Second round. That's it. Second round. So if Donovan Mitchell wants out, I need to be very clear. It better not be New York. And it's not going to happen anytime soon because the all-star game is coming in Utah next year. And he will be a Utah Jazz next season. So I don't think that we should be worried about if he wants out or not as of right now. So pipe down. We'll see what happens next season. So a few days ago, Lakers head coach Darvin Ham in a press conference has some interesting things to say. He talked about how he wants to improve the Lakers next season, how they could get better defensively, how they could be a championship caliber defensive team like they did a few years ago. But also he brought up something about Russell Westbrook and there were some positive remarks to Russell Westbrook. He said that he absolutely sees Russell Westbrook as a key part of the future for the LA Lakers. And he is one of the best players we have ever seen. Now, assuming that Russell Westbrook, because listen, Russell Westbrook, he has a player option. So he has a choice if he wants to opt in or out. Is it a smart move for the Lakers to keep Russell Westbrook? I think it is because at the end of the day, you have gave this man this money, and yes, he does have a player option, so he has the power to opt in or out. But essentially, I just don't really know if Russell Westbrook can go anywhere besides the Lakers, especially within the next few seasons. And I mean, you know, they want to get, you know, that first-round pick. I don't know if teams are willing to give a first-round pick for Russell Westbrook at this point in time. You so I the think Lakers for the Lakers, yes, the, the Lakers, though, yes. So for the Lakers, I think they just have to deal with the fact that Russell Westbrook will have to be a part of the team for the next couple of seasons. The good thing is, is that Darvin Ham, he's praising Westbrook. And like, like we know Darvin Ham is, he's trying to implement the Lakers to be a really great defensive team. So with this praise for Westbrook, I like it. And I like the fact that he's including Westbrook. We know that at times, while you know, those comments that Russell Westbrook made about Frank Vogel. We know that Frank Vogel, he has vouched for Westbrook a couple of times last season, trying not to, you know, threaten to push him on the bench, trying to give him more minutes, things like that. But also, too, at the end of the day, there is going to be the biggest question of, 
How is Russell Westbrook going to conduct himself this season with Darvin Ham as opposed to Frank Vogel? Because while Frank Vogel did vouch for Westbrook at times, there could be some times where Frank Vogel probably didn't look at Westbrook like that as the main guy or a guy that can contribute to the team, which makes sense because in the sense of when the Lakers was going through that season, it was so many adjustments to make, so many question marks with guys other than Westbrook that a lot of times, you know, it's Westbrook going to be in the equation. Sometimes he will, sometimes he don't. I think that Darvin Ham, with these comments, he is showing that he clearly wants Westbrook to be 100% a part of the equation, and whatever he can do, he can try to make Westbrook to be that player that he can be. Because all we're asking for Westbrook is, did it just be the guy that you was in Washington? You played, you made an impact, but especially defensively, I think Russell Westbrook made that impact for Washington, which helped them, especially when Bradley Beal was out for consecutive numerous games. He helped them defensively get to that point and to get to the playoffs. They got to the playoffs with a Russell Westbrook. So Russell Westbrook, he can impact the team and he can be positive for the team. I'm tired of people making it seem like Russell Westbrook is a cancer of the teams. He's not a cancer of the teams. Does Russell Westbrook has, you know, his ways? Yes. Do Russell Westbrook has some qualities or skills that might not, you know, translate a lot for a lot of teams? Yes. But I think with the Lakers, he is somebody that can exist with beyond or besides LeBron James and Anthony Davis. As long as he put himself and he is put into a role that helps him succeed, then I think the Lakers will be fine. So as long as Westbrook can just do what he do offensively, you know, you, you don't have to make three-pointers, but if you can do your other shots, do that, and make an impact defensively, I think this Lakers team will be fine. But again, that's a lot of other questions. LeBron James has to be on the same page, and hopefully he'll be healthy the majority of the season. Anthony Davis needs to be on the same page, and hopefully for the majority of the season, he needs to be healthy. When it comes to Westbrook, I don't think that the Lakers would be not smart if they were to keep him because at the same time, it's not like they're going to, you know, be damaged if they get rid of him or they'll be damaged if they keep him. It's just a matter of fact of with the situation you have in hand, especially with Darvin Ham, what can you do to help put Westbrook up for success? And I think that Ham can do that the way that they, he can operate this team defensively. I mean, do they have any choice in this situation? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what they can do with this situation. I mean, it's like, they, I mean, if you trade them, then you're going to have to give up that first round draft pick in what, 2027. So they have no choice. Here's the thing I just want to say this right now. Whether you think it's smart or not, look, at the end of the day, worst case scenario, he's there for one more year. So you're just going to have to suck it up and it is what it is. Because look, I believe that with Russ, LeBron and AD now, I don't expect them to lose what? How many games they lost this season? 48, 49 games. If they if they do that next season, Lord have mercy. Somebody's gonna have to get fired. It's, and it's, and it's, and it's gonna be Rob Palinka, Kurt Rambis gotta go. Like they they gonna have to clean house in that front office because that, that would just be terrible. But I will say this with Russ, LeBron, and AD, they should be at least at worst case scenario, be a playing team. At worst case scenario. The thing that I'm looking at is not just because of Russell West, because also, you got to listen, you got to think about the fit, which I am concerned about. I'm concerned about how the fit's going to come because this season was a disaster. But outside of Russ, AD, and LeBron, where are they going to find these players where they can play defense, they're young, they're athletic, and be effective around these players? That's the real question right there because I'm looking at their supporting cast, and right now they still got THT, they still got Kendrick Nunn, 
I don't know what else that they could do. Like, who else are they going to find that they know they can play defense? And listen, Darvin Ham, he's going to make sure they work hard. He's going to make sure they play a certain way. There's going to be expectations in L.A. And we understand it's a Lakers town, so we understand that. But at the same time, I don't know how much expectation do you expect this team to be if this team still evolve, still has LeBron James, Russ, and AD on this team. And, and the reason why is because LeBron James is in his 20th year. He's in his 20th season. He's getting older. And even if he averaged, what, 25 points and whatnot, that's still not going to be enough because this team is not that good. Russell Westbrook, the fit still needs to be there. The fit still is a question mark right here. And Anthony Davis still has to be healthy. But if this is all about Russell Westbrook, I would say this right now. Worst case scenario, he's only there for one more season. And if it doesn't work out, then he's off the books after this season, well, after next season, and you'll be fine. All the Lakers got to do, if they really want to get rid of him, they can do two things. They can just reach a buyout, or they could just trade him, just give up that that first-round draft pick in 2017. That's all they got to do. I don't understand what the issue is, but you know how the Lakers are. And so I I understand what Darvin Ham is saying. I get it. You got to be positive. And Russell Westbrook could be with the Lakers next season. But right now, they have no choice. So they have to do what they have to do to make sure that it works for Russell Westbrook in L.A. for next season. All right, let's switch it up a bit right now because we got L'Oreal's 2022 WNBA review. She's going to talk about the, you know, recap of the WNBA season. I mean, it already started in May, right? So she's going to talk about the standing, season award predictions, and about the top players in WNBA. L'Oreal, the floor is yours. Thank you, thank you. So as you guys know, to all my WNBA fans, hello, hello. It has been officially over a month since the season has started. Remember, the season started back in early May, and now it's early June, and the ladies been balling. We're seeing a lot of trends, whether it be within conferences, within players, within teams, and I think that we're going to be buckling up for a really, really good 26th season because we had our legendary 25th season last year. We're into our 26th season. So let's go ahead and get started with this review. Let's go with the standings. So number one for the East is the Connecticut Sun at 9-3. Then you have the Chicago Sky, 7-3. Atlanta Dream, 7-4. Washington Mixes, 7-5. New York Liberty, 3-8. And, and Indiana Fever, 3-10. For the Western Conference, at the top is the Las Vegas Aces with the best record in the WNBA, folks, 10-2. The Dallas Wings at 6-5. Seattle Storm, 5-5. Five five. The Los Angeles Sparks, 5-7. The Phoenix Mercury, 3-8. And, and the Minnesota Lynx, 3-8. So as you see, there's clearly been some similarities, of course, with the top teams, Connecticut holding it down, Vegas Aces holding it down, especially with that new coach, Becky Hammond. But look at Dallas. They creep all the way up to number two. Look at the Atlanta Dream. The fact that they creeped up to number three right now in the East is really good. Shout out to that rookie, Ryan Howard, which I'll talk about her a little bit later. But now let's go on to the season award predictions. So definitely lots of good people that we're going to be talking about with these awards. So let's get started. I'm going to start with the sixth woman of the year. I'm going with Azura Stevens from the Chicago Sky. So she is actually increasing her numbers right now. She's averaging about 12 points a game. Last year, she did about seven. And just like what she did in the postseason and this season, she's improving and improving. I think coming off the bench, especially for the Sky team, she's putting up those shots. She actually has really helped the Sky a lot when it comes to like close games and finishing games. So I think for Azura Stevens, I'm excited to see her be the sixth woman of the year because I think for Chicago, who's trying to go back to back championships, she is just as valuable, as important as all the other players on that team. 
Um, let's go with Coach of the Year. I'm going Becky Hammond. Um, listen, you guys, this Aces team is doing amazing. I mean, they have the best record in the WBA so far. And since Becky Hammond has been a part of this team, everything has changed for the Aces. You know, we know that when Bill and Beard used to be a part of the team, they were a big defensive team. Now they are an extremely big offensive team. They're first in scoring. I believe they're second in field goals. And they lead the league in defensive rebounds and steals. So what Becky Hammond has done, she has turned this team around to be just a hot team who can make shots and still play that great defense as well. I think that her trying to center the offense around other players besides Asia, you can clearly see the difference. I think that she deserves coach of the year, no doubt, the way the Asians have done. Um, rookie of the year, I'm going with Ryan Howell. Y'all, Ryan, she is a top-tier three-level score. I mean, when you think about the fact that the Dream has the third record, best record right now in the East within their conference, it's because of her, because she can score on so many levels. She can shoot the three. She can get into the paint. She can do mid-range. She can defend as well. And right now, she's blowing the park out of the water before all the rookies. She's averaging 16 points a game, shooting 40% from the field goal range and 41% from three. I mean, she is killing it right now when it comes to the rookies. But let's give a shout out to the other rookies. Melissa Smith from the Fever. She is leading rookies right now in rebounds, and she is one of the best players right now in the Fever, who is mainly a young team. Um, Shakira Austin from the Mystics. Remember, the Mystics with um, EDD back, Alina Deladon, they're trying to get back into championship playoff contention. She's been great for them, especially in the front court. So shout out to them. But I think for rookie of the year, Ryan's got that. And last but not least, the MVP. I'm going to go with something a little bit different. I'm going with Brianna Stewart. I'm going with Stewie from the Seattle Storm. You guys know I love Adrian Wilson, but here's my reason for Brianna. Brianna right now, and especially how the Seattle is going to look like once Sue Byrne leaves, we don't know yet, but she is going to be expected to leave soon. Brianna's looking like the best player right now in the league and the best player by far on this um, Storm team. She's averaging 20 points a game, and she's averaging a career high, three steals per game. So you can see how she's doing great offensively and defensively and making that difference for the Seattle team. Now, of course, Seattle, they're 5-5 five and five right now, but it's only been a month into the season. I think she's going to get better. The team is going to get better. But I'm going with her for MVP, definitely. Now let's go into these top WNBA news. So a lot of things is going to be happening, you know, especially between this time and next month. Because why? The WNBA All-Star Game, folks, is going to be July 10th. July 10th, and it's going to be in Chi-Town. Yes, in Chicago, home of the new WNBA current champions, the Chicago Sky. It's going to be exciting. Now, how to vote. So, voting started a couple days ago, June 3rd. You have until June 20th. So, about a week and a half more to go to vote. Here's how you can vote. You can vote on vote.wmba.com. You can vote on the WNBA app. And you can also vote on Twitter. Just put the hashtag, first name, last name, of the player you want to vote for, and the other hashtag, WNBA All-Star. So if you want to vote for um, Asia Wilson, say, hey, I vote hashtag Asia Wilson for the hashtag WNBA All-Star game. It's as simple as that. The good thing is, too, is that there are going to be two two-for-one days. So June 14th and June 18th, you can vote twice. So you can put in two ballots for your players. So that means that more of your favorite players can get more votes. And then as we lead to towards the end of the voting, we'll see, you know, who ends up in the game. Um, other news as well. Um, this was just in. Derek Fisher of the LA Sparks. He has been fired from the team. He um, coached the team in 2019. And, you know, of course, 
uh, within those past couple of years. Candace Parker has left. And of course, the team clearly has not been the same without Candace Parker. And when you look at new additions like Liz Cambage and Kennedy Carter, it was time for a change for the Sparks. So they decided to let Dear Fisher go. Um, he is the GM as well for the Sparks. He probably will still run, you know, the front office, but he's not going to be the coach. Frank Williams is going to be the interim for now. And last but not least, we have to talk about Brittany Griner, y'all. It has been officially 110 days, 110 days since she has been obviously detained in Russia. And that was as of February 17th. And as of um, April 29th, she had been declared by the government as wrongfully detained or wrongfully in detention. And obviously Joe Biden and the White House, they're doing the best they can to get her out of Russia. But what you guys can do and what you guys have been doing, keep supporting, keep buying merch. You saw the Boston Celtics show support for her. You saw LeBron James show support, um, Carmelo Anthony. Um, there was a guy who used to be a soldier for Russia, who was detained in Russia before. He spoke out about Brittany Griner. So do whatever you can to speak out, show support, and most definitely, please follow um, wearebg.org. Wearebg.org is a great website. It lays down all the clear details about what's going on. It lays down some history about how people can be detained in foreign countries like this. And you can buy merch. You can um, follow in live and also in-person rallies that we'll be having soon to support Brittany Griner. And the point is to keep supporting because, like I said, it's been 110 days and there's just no reason for her to be in this position. I know, you know, the Mercury, they are struggling, obviously, without Brittany Griner. So please, you know, send your prayers and love to them as they try to go through this season. But we need to get Brittany Griner home. So do whatever you can to support. Shout out. Keep seeing free Brittany Griner because we have to free her. And there you have it. That was L'Oreal's 2022 WNBA review as of right now. And last but not least, free Brittany Griner. That's all we got to say. Get her out of Russia, man. And we said it before. Get out of Russia because, you know, it's, it's, it's hard out here. You know what I'm saying? You mess with the Russian bear, it's going to be some problems, you know. Free Brittany Griner. So originally, I was going to go back to talk about the NBA. But right now, I want to talk about the NFL. The NBA would come a little bit later. But I want to talk about the NFL right now. And there's been a lot of news going on. You know, DK Metcalf is holding out. You know, he's not showing up to the Seahawks training camp. And look, if the man really wants out of Seattle, we'll see what happens. We're not worried about Metcalf right now. Aaron Dotto, shout out to him. That man's getting paid. He, he Listen. He signed a three-year, $95 million extension. Shout out to that brother. First non-quarterback to eclipse $30 million per season. That brother got paid. The highest paid player who was not a quarterback. Defensive players matter over here. But the main thing I do want to bring up that I was not expecting to talk about was Deshaun Watson. There was an article that I saw from New York Times that said that a new report finds that Quarterback Deshaun Watson met 66 women for massages over a 17-month period. Yeah, right, a 17-month period and an alleged sexual misconduct. Now, as you do know, he has, it was 23 civil cases. Now it's 24 civil law cases. And last time I checked, a few months ago, three, four, five, six, seven, eight criminal charges on him criminal cases on him and they all dropped for some reason but these civil cases ain't going nowhere so l'oreal go ahead let me hear your thoughts what do you think about this situation about sean watson and this this new update <sighs> um 
when I saw when I was scrolling um, my Twitter feed and, you know, just looking and looking. Um, and I saw that I'm not even gonna lie. I didn't even look at the article, like pretty much like I didn't even look like who wrote the article. I just saw right on the top saying that Deshaun Watson, quote unquote, was related with 66 women and within the span of 17 months. And I'm just like, oh my God, like, oh my God. Um, yeah, man, like, this is getting weird. It's just, it's getting weird. It's getting weird because we're hearing more and more cases, number one. Number two, it's getting weird because my whole thing is that, like I said, we already said this, we don't know if the man did it and we don't know if he did. But we do know and it's clear that there were sexual actions happening, there was consensual sex happening, and there was relations happening with these women. And to hear more and more women, and like I said, 66 women within 17 months, like, I'm just going to be real. Like, Deshaun, what you doing, man? Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? This man's image with beyond our eyes has flipped a complete 360. 360. Like, before this even happened, what did we think about Deshaun Watson? We thought of him as a decent, noble man. We thought of him as a man who... You know what I'm saying? Had those morals or values in him. And like I said, we don't even know this man 100%. But we're saying that when we saw Deshaun Watson before this happened, we saw him as a decent, great black man. A black man who was a great quarterback, was pushing Houston, you know, to heights. And of course, you know, stuff happened, you know, because it happened. But other than that, we saw this guy as a guy who was a, a noble man, a guy who loved his family, loved his values. You know, he he held them to a standard. He's shown them by the way he presented himself, portrayed himself, carried himself. You know, he showed us that he cares so much and a lot about his community. I thought Deshaun Watson asked that guy, uh, a stand-up guy who was a talented quarterback, respected his community, and could be, you know, one of the great forces of the world, honestly. Now it's just like, I don't even know what to say. Like, I don't know what to say because it's like, as each more and more cases going up, we get more and more deeper to the story. It just get more and more weird. And I just feel more and more uncomfortable. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not saying that the man should be stripped away of his freedom. I'm not saying the man should be stripped away from playing the game that he loves. But if when I watch Deshaun Watson play or when we watch him play, if he is going to play, because we still have months of time before he might get suspended or something. That's why Cleveland signed him four or five years. I'm going to feel uncomfortable watching him play. I'm not going to lie. I am. Because with these stories that keep going on about, it's just making me feel different about him. And I'm sorry, man. No football, no basketball, or nothing of any of that kind of nature can make me be distracted or make me not care about what's going on. I just can't do that. I just can't. And I think I speak for a lot of women. Now, men, I don't know. Because men, of course, we know that you know, some situations may not be truthful. We know that some situations, some guys like at the sign Watson, when you look at the context of the fact that he was trying to leave Houston, and then, you know, when you think of the context of how the owner was involved in this, and then all these cases going about, I understand that. But for my women, I think I can speak for all of us where we feel extremely uncomfortable because just hearing this is just like, like, like I said, like, what are you doing, dog? Like, you're Deshaun Watson. Why are you messing with all of these women 
within a span of months. And I'm just going to bring it up because nobody has, or they talk a little bit because he does have a girlfriend and her name is um, Jilly Amanaya. She's, um, she's on Instagram. You know, she does like typical, she does music and stuff. Very, very, very beautiful girl. I feel bad for her because I couldn't imagine trying to be with this man and I hear this. You know what I'm saying? Like 66 women over 17 months. He already admitted that he had consensual sex with three other women. So from her perspective, I'm just thinking like, oh my goodness, like what is going on? You know what I'm saying? And I feel bad for her because she is looking bad upon the spotlight because of what her man, her dude is doing. And this man is supposed to be, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, like a strong, you know what I'm saying? High man. And it's like, we're hearing and seeing these stories. So for me, like I said, I don't even know what to say a lot of times. We're going to keep seeing how this goes on. And like I said before, just because he's not charged criminally doesn't mean it's getting swept under the rug. We have civil cases. There was one that was just added last week or the week before that. I don't even know how many more cases we can get. It could be up to 30 at this point. And I wouldn't even be surprised. One because what yesterday. we're seeing every single day just gets crazier and crazier and crazier. And I'm sorry, man. I can't just sit here and act like this is not happening and try to watch this man play football. I just, I can't do it. I can't. I can't. Look, I don't know what the heck happened behind closed doors, but here's what I do know. He doesn't have any criminal lawsuits. So if all those criminal lawsuits are dropped, then what the heck can they find in the civil lawsuits that was better than the criminal lawsuits? Like, I'm trying, I'm really trying to find this out right now. I'm trying to find this out. But this is the reason why probably Deshaun Washington said, if I come to Cleveland, I want guaranteed money for the next five years. For the, for the, for the, for the next five years, I want guaranteed money. That way he knows whether he gets suspended or not, he at least got that money. So he at least, so he at least say, look, listen, whatever happens to me, I'm not going to jail and I'm still going to get paid. Now, let's think about this. I know that a lot of people are probably looking at his image right now saying, you know, beforehand he was a good man, you know, nothing wrong with this guy, but now it's looking pretty iffy. Like his image is shattered. But my thing is, is that there's a lot of women that's suing this brother. There's a lot of women that's suing this man. And when you got 24 civil lawsuits, that's not good. Now, to be very clear, it only takes one. I, I don't care about the rest. If he, if he gets one, then that man should be held accountable for his actions. And also, if he gets one, then I'm going to look at the justice, the, the justice system in Texas like, yo, what's going on with the judicial system in Texas right here? Like, what oh, did yeah. like what did they find in the civil cases that y'all couldn't find in the criminal cases? Like, what's going on here? But not only that, I want to know what is the truth because we've been no, listen. It's been over a year right now about what the heck is going on, and a lot of people are wondering what is the NFL commissioner Roger Goodell going to do. But here's my thing: what the heck could he do if he doesn't know if Deshaun Watson is innocent or not? I think we should, the thing is that we need to know what the heck is going on with these cases. If it's shown that in all these 20, it, look, it may be 30 by, by the, when the season comes, but in these 24 civil cases, if it turns out that he is innocent, what are we worrying about here? What are we worrying about? Now, I would be very, very clear about this. If it comes to a situation where there comes to a, like, where, where 
in all 24 cases, they reach a settlement. I'm going to look like, uh, you know, that, that don't sound too good. I mean, a settlement, you know, my man, you don't want to reach a settlement. What's going on? But if it turns out that he is innocent all the way, then I'm going to be right there for him. But if it turns out to be guilty, it's going to be a hard pill to swallow. As far as rooting for a guy like him, I just don't know what the heck is going on. I mean, 60, 66 women? Shocked. I couldn't I mean, believe it, man. My entire mouth was wide open when I saw that. 66. But at the same time, we don't know if it's true or not. And because we don't know if it's true or not, who are we to say that that Deshaun Watson is, is guilty? Like, who are we to say that? So it's, it's and I wish that I would have known. I'm, that's not me saying, that, oh, the women are lying or they're not telling. But I don't know. I, I, I don't really don't know. All I know is that there have been too many times where men have been in this situation and they've been falsely accused of rape. They've been falsely accused of sexual misconduct and they've been falsely accused of sexual harassment. And that should not, and that should not mean that we should not believe women. If they say they're rape, we should not. My thing is that we need to find proof. We need to find evidence. If we find out that they're lying, then I would be pissed off. I'm like, what the, what the heck are you lying for? And that's the thing that I hate the most, but I'm not going to, but his name, but even though in this incident, but let's say that Watson turns out to be innocent. I'm not going to overshadow the, the situation that, that women go through if they're raped, sexually assaulted or harassed like that. Not, that I'm not going to overshadow all the other cases that has happened on a regular, on a regular day basis. In this case right here, I just don't know. Something has to happen. As of right now, we're going to have to find out if this is true or not. And look, if it turns out to be true, Roger Goodell got to do what he got to do. And that's the reason why, what did I say before, L'Oreal, that's the reason why Cleveland has kept Baker Mayfield. Because they're saying just in case that that brother gets suspended next season, they at least have a quarterback. So at this point, this is not, this is not about football. This is about somebody, who, somebody who's been sexually harassed misconduct whatever you want to call it but if it turns if it like like i said all we want to know is the truth if it turns out that he did this he got paid the consequences plain and simple but if he's innocent y'all need to be held responsible all you ladies need to be held responsible and that's and that's the gospel truth on that so moving back to the nba in the week of the nba finals nba commissioner adam silver spoke to the media and he spoke about nba players well nba stars sending out games during the regular season. Now, he did say that he is open to reduce less than 82 games in a regular season if it prevents players from getting hurt. Now, he spoke about how last season wasn't the case because players were still getting hurt. But also, let's keep in context that, you know, in the last three seasons, you know, the season was kind of put together, you know, it was kind of cringed together because of the pandemic and everything. And obviously, you know, you cannot fall for that. But I understand what his point he's trying to address. Now, a lot of people have talked about this as of late about, you know, should the NBA shorten the season? And I'm just going to be honest right now. If this is for the players, hell the F no. I'm getting so sick and tired of this whole BS about should they shorten this season? Uh, 82 games. So we talk about 82 games. I understand that it can, that, listen, there's wear and tear on players when they play 82 games. But let's keep it real right now. This whole thing about shorting the season, these NBA players want to make 82 game dollar money. But if you so if you go to 60 something games, are you expecting to make that same amount of money that you did if, if everything's turned normal? Like I don't yeah. like if we go back to like think about think about this. If they're playing 65 games, 
are they really expected to make the same amount of money that they did playing an 82 game season? No way, no that's how. That's chunk you getting cut off. Right, that's what I'm saying. And you're expecting these owners, they're going to lose money. You think that they're going to be happy that it, that you're reducing the season? You're shortening the season to from 82 to 65 games? No. Think about this. In the NFL, imagine the NFL going from – listen, the NFL now plays 17 games right now. Imagine them going from 17 games to 10 games. Guess who's losing money? Not just the owners – but the players, and you know that players' union in the NFL is trash as hell. They losing money from the window to the back, front. It don't matter. Like, you know, you know what the deal is. In Major League Baseball, a lot of people say, well, they should reduce games as well. But guess what? Players are going to be losing money as well. And the players' union in baseball is, is the strongest out of all these four sports in America. So, of course – they're not going to reduce their season either. They, they like the fact they're playing 162 games. Why? Because they're going to make as much money as possible. Are you actually flipping mine? For the NBA, if I'm an owner, why would I do whatever it takes to make less money? That makes no damn sense. These NBA players are playing less back-to-back games. These NBA players are have the nutrition, getting trained, getting baby every single freaking time. And also, when you look at the NBA right now, players have more power than they did in the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years. We don't even hear about no facts about you playing 60-something games. Players nowadays are playing between 65 to 75 games right now. But you want us to go down to 65 games a season? No. No. And I believe even if we go to a 65-game regular season, they're still going to find a way how to play, what, 40-something games. Like, I'm not, I'm not hearing this. I am against this. Listen, I am totally against this. I don't want to hear none of the players say we need to shorten the season. Maybe you're not meant to play 20 years in, in the NBA. That happens. Maybe you're meant to play 12 or 13. I don't need these players to get baby anymore like this. Stop it. I'm not, I, no way, no how. I, I'm not, I, I don't care, bro. I don't really care. It's, it's not good for the fans. Listen, the fact that us us fans get to say, you know what? My team gets to play 41 home games. I get to go at least one of them. In baseball, listen, my home team plays 81 home games. I get to go at least one of those 81 games because I want to see my team play. But the fact that you want to reduce it, hell flipping no. I'm tired of these players getting babied in NBA, bro. Stop it. I definitely agree. I don't, I, I absolutely think that this is a terrible idea. And this just goes to show that, you know, and, and that's the thing. I'm not saying that Adam Silver don't know what he's doing, but clearly the power, like I said, the power is in, in the player's hands. It's clear. It's clear. And that's the thing, like, for Adam Silver or anybody to think that the NBA season can realistically be shortened like that, it's not real. It's not no. real. And that's the thing I keep talking about with Adam Silver. Like, ever since the pandemic is happening, it seemed like he's been entertaining or trying to create these outlandish decisions. It's like, you don't have to do that, dog. You don't. And I get it during the time when the pandemic first started because it's like, yo, we losing money. We losing money. I get that. And, of course, you want to keep the money going. So, but at this time, at this point in time, I mean, we're back again for a full clean season. And with the injuries, players get injured. That's just the truth. That's, That's a part the of the game. Of the matter. Players get injured. It's a very unfortunate that we've seen the most egregious and unfortunate 
injuries we have seen within the past couple of years. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. But at the same time, this is common. So for Adam Silver or anybody to think that reducing, you know, the games will help with injuries, it's not. It's going to still happen. Injuries are going to happen. And the biggest thing when it comes to this is money. My perception is that if you already have given money to these players, if you already have putting your money into investments and businesses like literally the like the in the nba like the nba is advancing and other sports leagues are advancing so much to the point where eventually you know like on um, those nfts nba games or nba tickets are going to be eventually nfts within the next couple of years so what the point i'm trying to make is that the nba like they're, they're going to constantly make money 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 so why would you want to do something like this where this could really put a detriment on the money and it could put a detriment on just basketball, period? It would change everything. I think that players are not really thinking about the fact that maybe 65 games might not be a good idea. Of course, it will be a good idea for your body. But in general, you're going to lose some money. It's that simple. Because when you really think about it, 65 games, that's a, that's a big chunk that you miss from the NBA. And then when you think about the fact that you already have luxury flights, no commercial, okay? Um, you have no back-to-back -back games. They implemented the playing tournament for you, especially for the teams that was begging to try to get themselves in the playoffs. So now you have that. Like I said, there's just so many stuff that the NBA players now have. Like, they have a lot of luxury, and they need to realize that. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. And here's another thing, too. They won a mid-season tournament. Like, what, what the heck are we talking about? They want to miss it. It's missing the tournament. Why? <laughs> and on top of that, too, the All-Star game has changed. Remember, the All-Star game was that one weekend. I think immediately the day after or that Tuesday, they will show games. Mm -hmm. We have all, They have a whole week off where they have a whole week off besides the All-Star game. Because remember, after All-Star game, you have a couple days of rest and then boom. Next, you know, part of the season starts. So, like I said, there's just so many things the players already have to their luxury. I just don't think that cutting down the season is going to solve anything or is necessary. I just don't think it's necessary. Yeah. If you want to sit, you want to sit. But I still do believe if you want to pull a Kyrie Irving or a Ben Simmons, you don't deserve to get paid. No. You don't. No. You don't. Because if you just if you decide to not show up for work, then you don't get paid. Simple as that. And the players are incredibly ludicrous and delusional to think that they deserve the same kind of money if the games get cut. You can't do that, boo-boo, because guess what? The revenue is going to get cut. That's what nobody Boom. understands about this situation. This situation is a clear example of the domino effect. It is going to affect every single body. So for Adam Silver, just sit down, bro. Just go sit down. Sit down, bro. Go sit down. Do what you can do now. Of course, I know, you know, like we, um, the Players Association, that new, con oh, not the new contract, but the new CBA is going to come up. So, of course, yeah, that's going to be a trending topic. Exactly. So, for now, Adam Silver, just relax, man. Just relax. Just please relax. Man, Dave, David Stern is rolling over his grave right now with this mess right here. Like, Lord have and, yes, and listen, I, I, listen, I ain't no, listen, I don't, I'm not defending David Stern when he was commissioner. There were some things that I thought he should have improved as well. But he ain't going through this mess right here. I mean, this, this he would have been like, no, nah, this ain't happening. This no, this no, none. Let, let me also say this too. 
The NBA makes the third most revenue in the world. In the world. We're not talking about in this country, in the United States of America, in the world. The only sports league that make more revenue than them is Major League Baseball and, 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 the, and the National Football League. That's it. The NFL and MLB. That's it. The NBA, number three. Third most revenue in the world. Why the heck would you cut the regular season? Why the heck would you reduce the, re- the length of the regular season? You're going to make less money. So stop with that BS crap. My goodness. I cannot believe. Look, injuries are part of the game. It happens. I, I hate when players get hurt, especially star players. But it's part of the game. You can't stop a player from getting hurt. Just take care of your body. Do what you could. It's do what human you can nature. Do. It's a part of being an athlete. Right. You're going to face it at least one point in your life. That's what most athletes will tell you. Right. And what they experience. Exactly. I am interested in seeing how the how the new CBA is going to be because it's going to be something. <laughs> it's going it's, uh, it's going yep. it's going to be a mm-hmm. showdown. So we're going to see what oh, happens yeah. over there. But I mean, originally I was going to bring back another another topic about the NBA Finals, but you know what? We'll worry about that in the next few weeks. And, you know, because, of course, we're going to find out who's going to be leading or who's going to win this series. But anyway, Kevin Durant, we listen, I heard that this man spoke about sports personalities like Stephen A. Smith and Shannon Sharp, Skip Bayless. He basically basically said that these media shows or these sports shows have been for the worse, you know, has made the game worse, not for the better. And, you know, this guy, this man has a lot of things to say. And I just don't know why this man is always on Twitter just yapping the mouth. Listen, Kevin Durant, let it go, bro. Let it go. Whatever you have, a, listen, I don't think we have anything against Stephen A. Smith or Shannon Sharp or, or Skip Bayless, but let it go, bro. Let it go, bro. Your team is out of the playoffs. You're, you got swept. Worry about how your team can improve next season. Make sure you check Kyrie Irving to make sure that he's able to play. Make sure that Ben Simmons is damn sure able to play next season. Let it go, bro. Let it go. Wherever how you feel about your decision about go to state, let, let it go. If people are going are gonna to talk smack, let, let, just let it happen, bro. Let, let it go. I, I don't mind the man being transparent, but at some of this point, bro, you got to get out your feelings, bro. Like, just let it go. Let it go. And if for some odd reason the Warriors win the title, don't try to go at these, these people, man. Because you know these Warriors fans are going to say something. Just let it go, bro. Let it go, bro. Because at this point, it's being it's it's sad at this point that this man keeps on responding to these guys on social media because these sports shows aren't going anywhere, whether you like it or not. Yeah, Kevin, he definitely should be focusing, you know, more on himself and of course the team and stuff coming to the season. Um, but I do want to say I kind of agree with him a little bit. Just to the extent of like when you and we already had this conversation before, I believe, because I remember Shannon Sharp talked about Kevin Durant. We talked about this. But um, as journalists and as media professionals, obviously, we do have to talk about what is going on. And of course, people like the Shannons of the world, Stephen A's of the world, they have their own personas. They have their own opinions. Now, with Kevin Durant, you have to respect their own opinions. You know what I'm saying? They're going to say whatever they have to say whether you like it or not. But what I do agree with him a little bit is that, of course, with the media and journalism, you obviously have to put out narratives. You have to put out this or that. But to some degree sometimes, and I think maybe you can agree with me, and I'm sure a lot of people, you know, who be on Twitter and stuff like that or involved in sports can agree with me. Sometimes, and it's not even just these personalities, it can even be networks. Like 
ESPN or Bleach Report or um, if you follow Stat News on Twitter, a lot of times with narratives, people like to take it, take the narrative and they like to run with it. And of course, obviously, we have to talk about these situations, whether or not these players like it. But sometimes with certain narratives, it can't be stretched a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like there's been times where a lot of guys have talked, you know, have been a little bit too extra when it comes to players. Like I love Stephen A, but sometimes when you talk about certain players, I'm like, I get it. I understand. I get it because of how you feel about basketball, but tone it down a little bit. You don't have to go that harsh. You know what I'm saying? Or like even with Nick Wright sometimes, but sometimes Nick Wright, like he makes it clear, Nick Wright, he's going to troll you. Nick Wright, he's going to say things the way that he does, and that's who he is. And that's what Kevin Durant shouldn't be upset about. Be upset about the narratives that can get stretched or that can get overboard. I can understand that. But don't be upset by the person or the people that they're saying it. Because at the end of the day, Kevin, you should know that these people are going to do a little bit of extra. Stephen A. Smith get paid, what, five-plus million dollars a year? Best believe he's going to add a little razzle-dazzle <laughs> to his conversations. Same thing as Skip Bayless or Shannon Sharp or anyone else. But the thing is, is that, yes, narratives can be stretched and can be over-exaggerated. But at the same time, you have to understand that and not be so personal about it and think about the person. That's just Kevin Durant's problem. He just needs to stop taking things too personal. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're one of the best shooters in the world. Obviously, people are going to always talk about your decision. And one day, 20 years later, we might not bring it up especially when you retire and all that, because you're, you're clearly going to still be a Hall of Fame, Kevin. You still have an MVP. You still have multiple championships. Just stop taking things all the time too personal. That's all, man. Look, I have no problem of Kevin Durant calling out certain people, certain journalists, certain people on TV shows, sports analysts, sports personalities, sports journalists, whatever. Like, you know what I mean? I don't mind him calling people out when they bring up a narrative that is unnecessary. I totally understand that. I'm okay with players who want to clap back when they say something that's false. I'm all for that. I'm all for that. But at times, when it, some things, when they say certain things, that, that is like, bro, it's not even that deep. It's like, bro, let it go. Like, just stop. And, and you know how I feel. You know how I feel when Stephen A. Smith go after certain people. I was like, yo, Stephen, St- Stephen A., yo, 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 chill for a minute, bro. Like, you you going way too far on Kyrie Irving or even times like Kyler Kaepernick. Like, bro, I'm going to need you to chill real quick because Stephen A. Smith, he even going overboard certain things. I'm like, bro, stop right there. And and Skip Bayless, look, Skip Bayless, listen, with every hater, you also are a fan. I, I remember Russ, I remember the rapper Russ said, if you hate him, but you still follow, you a fan that's understood. Skip Bayless is a fan of LeBron James at the end of the day. And that's what it is. Skip Bayless is a fan of LeBron James. So anything that he says where he goes overboard, I'm like, yo, chill on that. That's Skip Bayless. You know it's going to be some BS sometimes when he says about LeBron James. And you know what's crazy? You know what is BS when sometimes in the playoffs or even in the NBA Finals, LeBron James is mentioned for some reason. It's like, why is he mentioned? Is this team is this team in the playoffs? Yeah. <laughs> is this team in the playoffs? No, I know. What are we talking about LeBron James for? Like LeBron James is out of the playoffs, but for some reason, his name is mentioned on Undisputed. What, what, what the heck is this? And well, Shannon Sharp. Boy, so like well, I said, that bias. 
Vice play a big role in a lot of these shows too. We gotta talk about that. Yes. Oh, oh, yeah. These these sports shows are very biased. That's that's the reason why I roll with Inside the NBA. Even though Inside the NBA can be very funny, it's very very funny. But one thing they do is that they're realistic. They crack jokes, but also they keep yes. it real as well. So that's what I like yes. about Inside the NBA. But but yeah, but Kevin Durant, like I said before, bro, let it go, bro. Let, let it go. Work, work. But hey, let, KD, you got the bounce podcast though. You, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey. We're gonna keep it real. Yeah, we're gonna we keep it real. Right, right. Right. Shout out to <laughs> shout out to Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, you're more welcome to come to the bounce podcast. You know what I'm saying? So, yes, KD. Yeah, it is what it is, man. All right, folks. That's it for the bounce podcast, episode 76. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Simplecast, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and on YouTube, folks. Like, comment, subscribe, download us, folks. We're here every weekend. This is the NBA Finals, and we are not going anywhere. Thank you for listening to the Bounce Podcast, episode 76. My name is Jabari Anderson with my co-host, L'Oreal. Peace! Peace!